Yeah, yeah. I'm awake, I'm awake. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's boring! What do you want from me? Oh my god! Yeah, just... This... This right here is exactly why I tend to skip season one and two. Now, that is a bit, uh, to quote Huthor, reductive. That is too broad of a statement. Now, what I need to do is I need to cherry-pick season one and two, find the episodes that are worth a damn, like Shuttlepod 1 or uh, Strange New World and whatever else I've liked so far, and be like, okay, just add those to the rewatch list. Because it's not that this is a bad episode. It doesn't get too preachy. The guest stars are decent. The effects are all right. The concept's kind of okay, even though it's almost assuredly, although I wasn't able to confirm this with 100% certainty, so have a big asterisk of allegedly this is a recycled Chakotay episode. I wasn't able to find a source for that. Really getting irritated by that. By the way, I keep running into that wall when it comes to Enterprise. People will say stuff about it. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Let's look into it. Oh, you don't have a source. Like I said, this is probably the least amount of behind-the-scenes material I've ever had when it comes to covering a show on this show. I literally have more information when it comes to My Little Pony which, uh, I, I, by the time this episode comes out, we'll almost be done with that. Anyways. So, um, Rogue Planet. Don't worry, it's not Minecraft this time. But what we have is Tucker taking pictures, and he's awful at it. And then they come across a Rogue Planet. Come back to that. Yeah. And then Reed, we find out that Reed was in the Eagle Scouts... Which, hang, hang on, I thought he was from Britain. Royal Navy, you know? Europeans, that was, that's brought, been brought up twice before. Do they have Eagle Scouts over there? Anyways, whatever. They also have flashlights. Now, that may, may sound like a really strange thing to point out, but they have flashlights and night vision. Can you spot the problem there? Also, the night vision only goes on one eye for some reason, but I'm not even going to get into that. So, they, uh, we find out, as of course this episode, you notice I'm just racing through, I'm already like ten minutes into the episode, because there's so little to talk about. We found out that they outlawed hunting back on Earth. Huh. Huh. Bullcrap. <laughs> You're telling me that they decided, first of all, that hunting was, was bad. Do note that I am not giving my opinion on whether hunting is bad or not. That's not the point. The point is that humanity, as a species, decided hunting was bad and then outlawed it. I want you to think about the level of variance and complexity in human society, which is still a thing. There are still regional differences and differences of palate and differences of preference. Remember, the whole point of being unified is not that we are the same. It is that we are together despite and because of our differences. So that species of huge variety decided universally to outlaw hunting. There hasn't been hunting in decades. Right. Then, naturally, for the fact that hunting's been outlawed, the first thing that uh, Reed says is, he, I'd like to join them. I want to join the hunt which already pokes a hole in the previous problem. What's interesting is you'll notice Archer's actually against that. and But he just, you know, to be polite, he's like, okay, okay. 
I'm going to pause here a moment to talk about Keith, and I'm going to screw this name up, Zarabajka. I, I, I feel bad about screwing that up, but he, because he's in all sorts of things. Here, check this out, check this out. Um, he is, so obviously he's done a bunch of television work here. Yes, I'm just staring at it. He was in Transformers Dark of the Moon. That's not a television. He's in Dark Knight as a detective, the Batman. Um, he did do a bunch of television. He was back in uh, Miami Vice. He was a main character in The Equalizer. Side character in a lot of other things. whole bunch of other things. But then as I was looking at his list, I was like, I know this guy. Like, I really do. And I started to realize what I actually know him for is his voice. So in the Young Justice series, he plays Mr. Freeze. In Star Wars Rebels, he plays Visago, along with several other side characters. In, scroll down a little bit, uh, Command and Conquer Yuri's Revenge, he's several characters. He's in Earth and Beyond as a character. He's in Tales of Symphonia as a character. He actually plays Wolverine in Spider-Man 2, you know, the older one. He's in all sorts of stuff. He's the Master of Whispers in Guild Wars. He is uh, Dmitry Yuryev over in Xenosaga 3. But then I started, I kept going down the list, and I just kept seeing more and more and more and more and more people I recognized. But then a couple really jumped out at me. First of all, uh, he voiced several characters, and I do mean like over a dozen characters, in, across Mass Effect and Mass Effect 2 and Dragon Age Origins. He also is the voice of Joshua Graham over in Fallout New Vegas. That should ring a bell with some of you. But then this one really tickled me. In Mass Effect 2, which I kind of skipped over there, he plays Harbinger. He's in a bunch of stuff, but I think the voices, there's two, that I heard him most from are Dragon Age 2, this is Bartrand, and everything that has a voice for Gilgamesh after FF12. And Some of you are probably thinking, huh? But for those of you familiar with the Final Fantasy franchise, you'll know who Gilgamesh is. This guy is the voice of Gilgamesh in most of the works, including Dissidia Duodecim, uh, Type Zero, World of Final Fantasy, Mobius. He's the guy who is pretty much the modern voice of Gilgamesh. That's, I, I just think that's kind of awesome, and I do like him. And you can tell I'm desperate for things to talk about when I just pull up a Wikipedia page to list someone's acting credits, because... And I started thinking to myself, why is this episode so damn boring? And it, it kind of occurred to me that it doesn't really have any point in existing. <laughs> I know that's strange, but let me, let me try and explain what I mean by that a little bit. For me, just my opinion, there are several reasons why a work of fiction can exist. Maybe it's a story that the person really wanted to tell. Maybe it's trying to really get across an idea, which Star Trek is really big on. Maybe it's trying to advance character, like Shuttlepod 1. Maybe it's trying to push forward a significant plot, like Babylon 5 usually did. But there's usually something that makes, that is a reason for an, ep an even an individual episode to exist. Why does this episode exist? I'm actually curious if any of you can come up with something, and I don't mean that as a negative thing, because I couldn't come up with something. That's my point. So I would love it if you guys could come up with some reason why this episode exists. Because I got nothing. <sighs> I mean, hunting's bad? No, hunting's portrayed in actually a fairly positive light. And according to the writers, this was done on purpose. The only thing, reason hunting is bad is because it's after a sentient sapient species. That's it. 
Other than that, that's fine. In fact, you'll notice the hunters are portrayed in a nearly universal light. Even though they come across as menacing every now and again, it's kind of a friendly menacing, as weird as that may sound, like Wolverine. That's probably partially because of that unique guttural growl that Mr. Keith has. Right? No, they're happy, and, and yeah, you should join our camp. You want some food? We got some food. They're thankful for the, the medical aid. They warn them that they should leave because it's dangerous. They're decent folk. And they're completely on the up and up. So it's not really that hunting's bad. Maybe it's a big character piece about Archer. Unless what we're trying to learn about Archer is that he has no idea how to act like a non-crazy person. I got nothing. In fact, there are two scenes that fail miserably for me that could have really elevated this to being an Archer character episode. One with Tucker, one with T'Pol. The problem is, see, here's the thing. Tucker is someone who knows him. For like eight years, they've been friends. They're basically best friends. So if there's one person that really knows him and really connects with him, that's the person to really di di dive into this concept of what's happening and why it's happening. Instead, all that happens is he's like, you know what, this is real, it's real, okay? This is not something I'm just making up, it's real. And that's about as far as that goes. So, no characterization there. Unless you count that incident in Jupiter. The second thing, second scene, is with DePaul. She comes in. And she says, all right, well, she doesn't say this, but what she does is she logically moves her way through the situation. Okay, it's not a hallucination, it's not a dream. That means it is something real. Then she immediately challenges the idea that it is actually a human. She adds something to the conversation, which is very needed. Um, logic, as much as we tend to point the Vilkins in a negative light on this show, something even Huthor agreed on, holy crap. I told you I'd talk about you. Um, the <laughs> you don't you won't remember this because this episode's coming out like a year from the conversation we just had from my perspective. It's one of the downsides of doing this stuff in advance. Not that I have any choice in the matter. Not if I want to keep eating and breathing, which I don't. But you know how it works. <sighs> there is a good value in logic when it comes to this sort of thing. Ergo, her actually saying, "Why don't we think this through?" is actually rather welcome. And I'm kind of completely down with, okay, let's work this out. You'll notice that in the next scene, when Archer encounters her, he starts going through the list. Okay, you can speak English, but I can physically touch you, so it's not a hallucination. But I know you, but I'm not sure why. And it, it, he tries to actually reason it out rather than just, which is what he'd been doing prior to then. And I like to think that's thanks to T'Pol's influence. Unfortunately, again, the scene doesn't do much, and despite the possibility of there being a bonding moment, instead what happens is he tells her, no, I'm going to go alone. Goodbye. Um, so, I don't know about you guys, but logically speaking, this is a trap. This is the classic concept of a siren. Oh, hey, there's this thing over there. I should go look at it. <laughs> right? And they've been warned multiple times that the prey, the, the, the prey, yeah, no, that's right, the word, is very dangerous here. And he encounters her several times, and at no point in time does he consider taking a tricorder to scan her or take a picture or anything whatsoever. Why is he different, by the way? Is, is this a, a Fry situation where because he's his own grandfather, he is immune to this thing? Is that what's going on here? I'm just wondering. <laughs> so, 
they, they're telepathic, they're morphic, they're wraiths, they love hunting them because they're dangerous, I'm with it, the thrill to hunt, that's a thing. So they sabotage them and they say they're going to level the playing field by ensuring that one side has overwhelming advantage. Because remember, they have a horrific time fighting these wraiths. One of their hunting parties, most of the people didn't come back alive from. They are already at a disadvantage, they just have the ability to detect them at all. And they're taking that away, which isn't leveling the playing field, that's overwhelmingly stacking the deck. Then we have a weird moment where the hunters are like, oh, strange, maybe you sabotaged us, and Archer should have been like, oh, sorry, I guess we're bad luck. But no, he's just kind of stalwart about it because they're the bad guys, because he's against hunting. Then we have a weird denouement, Coda, with the woman, which is just, What? I'm actually legitimately confused what the point of that scene is, because it's like, hi, don't stop believing, don't, you gotta have faith of the heart, deliberately singing badly. What I do is I modulate my voice up and down in the back of my throat. That's how you sing badly on purpose, because you're never going to be on key if you're constantly changing your key, right? So because I don't have much else to talk about, let's talk about that song. Now I'm a man of my word. And I said I'd go ahead and watch that goddamn song every single time at the beginning of these episodes. I'm already sick of it. But I want to explain to you how sick I am of it. If you don't want to watch this, I'm done talking about the episodes. If you want to chop off, now's the time. But that freaking song, the, the one that plays over the intro, Faith of the Heart or whatever it's called, I got have faith, that one, right? Okay. Um, I hate, I've never liked it. Let's start with that. But having forced myself to watch it at the beginning of each of these episodes, I've grown to despise it. Now hear me out for a second. It reminds me of Persona 5. Now some of you the audience are about to lunge to your keyboard and eviscerate me with your comments because Persona 5 has excellent music. And that is entirely a feasible statement if you happen to like that kind of music. No judgment. I'm totally with it. The problem is Persona 5 uh, it had music that I did not like. It's problem number one. But its music was also incredibly repetitive, using basically the same three songs for like 90% of the gameplay. That's not an exaggeration. So you hear the same song over and over and over and over and over. And the only song that's memorable on this show, thanks to the wallpaper approach to music, which is deliberate on behalf of Rick Berman, thanks very much for that, is that song. So the only music I'm taking away from the last few days... Uh, of working on this show is that song. So it's effectively the only song I'm hearing is what I'm trying to say. Now let me add a personal touch. Music that I like doesn't get stuck in my head. Music that I dislike gets stuck in my head and it bugs me. I have developed methods over the years to remove music that I dislike from repeating in my head because I have a near-perfect audio memory so that tends to be problematic because I can just hear the song perfectly, right? I have, no joke, been wandering around with my phone, kind of like this, in my pocket with the speaker going up like this, and I just play songs, any songs, because the moment I stop recording, because not right now I'm talking, so there's no music playing, but the moment I stop, what's going to happen is I gotta have faith is going to start playing in my head, because it is stuck in there, and I'm going to turn this on, and I'm going to hear anything else while I go and prepare dinner before I start working on the next episode. I just wanted to share my opinion on the matter. Now, my opinion, of course, doesn't matter. This is not exactly a review. I have never reviewed a show before. It'd be fascinating to do so someday, but we're not there yet. This is a rumination. I'm just chatting. 
talking, trying to analyze, trying to discuss, you know how it is. But I bring this up because I've never had that problem with Star Trek before. Now I don't know what the intro song is to Discovery or Picard. I haven't watched those yet. Or Lower Decks, which isn't out yet still, although it's coming out uh, a couple months, I think, something like that. So I don't know if I'd ever have that problem with those shows. But I could listen to the TOS, TNG, DS9, or Voyager intros right now, and they're awesome. In fact, every time I rewatch those shows, I do listen to those intros, because they're awesome songs that I like. And I'm pointing this out because I've already made my point that I don't think the music fits. That's opinion, of course, but if I was to remove opinion, if I was to remove my preference, I still don't think this music fits. But now, having been watching this and listening to this damn song in my head, and as well as in the headphones, for the past uh, five days at this point, something like that, that, that can't be right. I think it's closer to three. Anyways, however many days it's been at this point uh, has been driving me insane. So, here's, there's the wrap-up so far. We're about uh, halfway through Season 1, and I hate this song, and I think it doesn't work. I am a man of my word, and I intend to keep listening to it until the end of this Floodgate cycle, which will end with Season 2, Episode 14. At that point, no promises. I have been told the intro song changes in Season 3, so I might listen to that at least once just to see the variance. But, and, of course, there's obviously in, you know, the Mirror Mirror episode. But anyways... Okay, now that I've padded the runtime here, gotta make sure the episodes are a decent length, otherwise people will complain on YouTube. Wait, that's the only people who watch this are people on YouTube. Um, I, I didn't mean you, of course. I just, I, I meant the people behind you. They're much less reasonable. Don't kill me. I'll see you next time, guys.